Woke up this morning into my car to start my day. First stop is my buyer, who six months ago walked away. When I arrived, he treats me like a commodity. Give me a speck on his inner connect, he wants price and delivery. And if we're over $20, he tells me this business we're gonna lose. He's got a singing that old, don't know value. Welcome, everybody, to the Value Clarity Podcast, where we talk about producing customer-perceived value and all the things it takes a business to do that. The growing, the building, the designing, the selling, the pricing. Today, I've got a really special guest. I've got Rob Hartnett, who has been a colleague of mine when I was uh, back at uh, the Miller-Hyman, the uh, sales methodology shop. Uh, Rob started his career uh, at KPMG. He moved then to a variety of different industries, uh, uh, companies, um, HP, Apple, Publicist Mojo, um, high achiever at at a lot of those places. And then he and I met while he was at Miller-Hyman and he was one of Miller-Hyman's rock star um, consultants. And so Rob, I'm thrilled to have you here, welcome. I'm excited, Mark. How are you? Very well. So tell us what you're doing now in your current iteration of the Rob Hartnett journey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the Rob Hartnett, the journey so far. Um, yeah, so for the past, uh, past year or so, Mark, I've been really focused on the leadership space. Uh, and that's covering everything from the self-leadership space to the corporate leadership space. Uh, so I've written a couple of books um, during that time. Um, around the around the whole area of self leadership and leadership, and just really, really kind of thinking about the whole concept of you know high performance people or high performance organisations, uh, which I've been a passionate high performance uh, student and also participant in both sport uh, and business as well, and just got really fascinated with all that all the area of self leadership, and so that's what I've been really focused on over the over the past sort of you know eighteen months. And so your newest book is It's All Possible on How to Lead an Epic Life and Unleash the High Performance Hero Within You. Uh, Great book, um, a lot of really great stuff that I wanted to talk with you. And, And so is the book doing well for you? Yeah, it's been really great. The book's been a, a really good positioning for me. You know what, what books are like, Mark. So uh, it's it's my it's my I think it's my fifth book because uh, I've just released a uh, follow up journal to It's All Possible as well, which just which has just come out this month. I've literally got it off the printers, um, and yeah, it's been really good positioning it, and it covers so much ground, and especially you know for salespeople, for business owners, for entrepreneurs. You know, when you're really, uh, you're the one bringing in the money or you're the one got the business founded or you're the one, you know, funding the employees and especially during the pandemic, it's been, you know, I said didn't time it for this, but it's been really interesting as people have come back to basics and wanting a, wanting a pathway and, a, and, a, and a, a direction forward. Yeah, uh, you know, you, the, uh, you, the system you have in, in the book is all about, you know, desire, discipline, determination, but... I, I love this this champion, which is chunk it down into achievable steps. Don't do, you know, try to boil the ocean. Then I love what you do. It's have a go, assess your results, and then figure it out. I, I think that right now with COVID and the fact that we've really had to change our plans, change our directions, uh, have a go, assess the results, 
uh, iterate, 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 chunk it down and iterate little chunks. I think that's really important right now. Yeah, yeah, that's where the champion, you know, champion acronym came from, you know, that kind of, because everyone gets overwhelmed sometimes, especially when you know, you're in a pandemic, um, you, you, and you, or, or you can't see the future too far away, right? So you've got to chunk this thing down so you can actually take a step. And I always say, so what's your, what's your first possible step to your impossible? What can you do today? What can you take action on? Because motion creates emotion, right? And once you take motion, you take a step, it creates a feeling inside you. It creates a thought, a feeling, a behavior change. And that leads to the next bit of action. The next bit of action. That doesn't mean you're winning all the time. You know, you can, you can fall over. As the saying goes, as long as you fall on your face, you go in the right direction, right? And you pick yourself up. Uh, John Maxwell has a great line and he says, you know, I'm either, I'm either, I'm either up or I'm getting up right? I'm either up yep. or I'm getting up. I really like that because it doesn't say the world's easy. It doesn't say it's not going to, you're not going to fall over, but are you learning? Are you learning it when you fall over? Are you learning when you try something, but we have a go, we assess the results. Uh, and, you know, the M in it is for mindset maintenance. P is for the people you hang out with. That's a really important one. You know, the people we, we start to hang out with because that can determine, you know, what our altitude is um, yeah. by the people we're around. You, you and I both know that. Yeah, we are all here not to compete, not to blame each other, not to divine roles and responsibilities and silos where I shoot my work product through a tiny little hole in the, this wall of my cubicle, which comes in a tiny wall, hole in the next guy's cubicle. We are creating the work together. And um, that's how high performance organizations perform and leaders create those kind of high performance organizations. Absolutely. And that's, you know, collaboration, I think is going to be one of the big things that I see coming into 2021. There's no question in my mind about, about, about collaboration. That's definitely be a big one, but, but yeah, leaders create that, that high performance environment. This doesn't, doesn't just exist. You, you know, leaders have to create it and maintain it. Um, and that's what an M is mindset maintenance. You know, you can get people motivated, right? Everyone can kind of do that, but how do you keep them motivated? How do you keep them on track? And that's the, that's the discipline side. That's the process side. Um, that's the operating rhythm. It's the cadence. It's the adoption, the execution, which, you know, you and I know is where many, many things fall over or they're incredibly successful. So I, so I totally agree um, with that one. That's what, and that's really why I got so fascinated on leadership because, you know, having worked with you and a number of the, the guys, um, you know, through the large transformations in the sales space, especially, I found some worked and some didn't. Many worked, many didn't. And many people would say to me, okay, so Rob, what's it going to take? What's it take to make it work? And there's three things, leadership, accountability, and discipline. It's as simple as that. Any one of those three don't exist it will fall over. And that doesn't mean, that doesn't matter actually whether you're leading a, a, you know, a digital sales revolution or new enablement or you're doing a new change initiative. If any one of those three aren't there, it's short lived, right? Or it doesn't get traction. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Now I have a, another thing that kind of, it's, it's, my, it's my business and, and what I teach. You know, when we were working together, uh, everybody, whenever we would get together, all 175 of us consultants, and we would get together for a global meeting, everybody knew that salespeople at our clients, the, the thing that they did worse was understand the customer's outcome. Outcome is what they buy. Outcome, the customer's outcome is 90% of what moves a deal. And it was 10% yep. of the time in the training. It was 10% of the blue sheet. It was 10% of the methodology, but it's 90% of what moves the deal. So 
I'm really concentrating on understanding which part of the process is the needle mover and which part are simply that you know, they, they are disciplined, you have to do them. But if you're going to drop something, and if you're going to undercoach something, this is not what you what should be undercoached. Yeah, that's exactly right. So really focusing on that. In fact, you know, it's, it's even it's even more interesting now, Mark, I was reading some research from Gartner. Uh, and I 100% believe this too, um, is that B2B, especially B2B buyers, and I think it's in B2C as well, but, but let's, let's take B2B because that's what the research was, said that like 85% of buyers are saying they're getting really, really good information from vendors. Really good. Like the stuff is really good, right? And you go, well, okay, well, why aren't you making a decision? They're going, because it's all good and we still haven't got any value. They still haven't told us what the outcome is going to be. They've just given us really good shit on what their stuff does. And it's unbelievable. And it's great. It looks good. It's interactive. We're talking to it. It's, you know, it's got AI. It's really directed to me. But I still don't know what to, which one to buy. So I buy on price. Like we've got nowhere, right? So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, got, we got nowhere. We just AI'd a race to the bottom. We're just going faster because a poor buyer is sitting there going, I, I get all that but no one's really focused on what my outcome is going to be. And what I'm seeing the differentiated be, be interested in your view. I'm seeing those people who are going in and saying, Hey, if you go with us, this is what the future is going to look like. This is what it'll be like in a year's time, six months time. This will be the outcome for you. This is what our relationship will be like. And they're doing things like they're bringing their onboarding team on really early in the sales process, not at the end, right? Really early. And they're actually selling like we're already in business together. And they're the ones who are, because they're focused on the outcome, they understand the business and they're already moving in that direction. I'm seeing those people be, being a lot more successful than the ones who are just sending more PowerPoint decks that are AI enabled. I'm writing that down. Got to sell like we're already in business together. That is so important, but concentrating on the customer's outcomes. I work with clients on their product training because so much product training is features and benefits, but not the customer outcome. And yep. we expect the customer to do the translation from features and benefits to their own outcomes. And well, you can't do that, can you? Because, you know, as you know, I know, and it's got more and more complex, is that I, people forget, especially in B2B complex sales or complicated sales, that there's actually two distinct parts to it. It's you, it's you selling into your sponsors, coaches, advocates, whatever language you want to use. But everyone forgets that those people need to then sell it in and you in to the board, to the C-suite, to wherever they've got to go, stakeholders, business owners. And sometimes we just leave it and we forget. And we got the poor old, and if that, and that person, your coach or advocate can't present, well, you're, you're shot, you're down in flames, right? Yeah. It's, there's two parts to the sale. And I've seen that go for three years. I remember a deal I was working on with, that was with BHP, a large mining business. And the, the, the advocates in there were like, they, we're done, the pilot is awesome. It took them another two years to get it through for a global purchase. And that was not, out of the ordinary. That's just the way they did it. Yeah. Um, understand the customer's outcomes so that it so that it are it makes a real clear mental picture for your sponsor, coach, whoever, so that when it's super clear in their head, now they can communicate it. You have to walk a, every one of your customers gently through, and you have to cause them to write, perform, and and direct a movie inside their own head and you better not have it be a silent movie, black and white. It's gotta be 3d <laughs> yes, right. Dolby surround sound. Uh, if you're not doing, helping your client do that, then they can't, they can't be an advocate for you. 
No, they, 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 they can't. And so I use a, uh, an acronym, uh, UCOP for this, because the reality is when you're in sales, no one teaches you this when you're in sales, you actually should be taught how to do change management. Yeah. Uh, it's not, sales is influence, like leadership is influence, and this is about change management. And so you, I use this, this acronym, UCOP, and what that is is, does my, does my customer understand it? right? Do they understand what I'm, I'm selling or proposing, you know, outcome? Do they, do they get it, right? Secondly, the C is, did they contribute to it, right? Did we do this thing in partnership? Did they add some value, add, customize it, add some their own thoughts into it? So, it's, it's a, so that's the contribute. The O is, do they feel like they own it, right? So they feel like it's, it's theirs as well as mine. And the P is, can they pass it on? Right? That's the test. Now, if you're, if you're a coach, a sales leader, for example, and you're talking to your people, and you've got someone going, yeah, it's 95%, you know, the scorecard's right up there, we're going to nail this thing, it's in stage seven. And I would, I would go back, okay, your most important advocate or the, or the economic buyer or final approval, whatever your language is, you know, answer me this. Do they understand it? Yep, yeah. Did they contribute to it? Yep, yep, yep. Do they feel they own it? Yeah, yeah. Could they pass it on? Uh, I'm not sure. Well, man, you, you're at the wrong stage. <laughs> that is not in final <laughs> stage because if they need you there every time to pass it on, that's kind of a little sketchy. Like if they can't actually sell it internally without you in the room, then we probably haven't put it into their language in their outcome, Mark, to your great point. Yeah. And they're still talking features and benefits. That is not going to get it over the line. And I'll tell you why it's not going to get it over the line today. Is because in today's world, the buying decisions have gone up two levels. Right? Yeah. So the people has gone up two levels because every organization is going, let us get really tight on cash flow. Let's know exactly. So when we're buying on, when we're buying anything, and now it's a CFO, COO at least signing off, they're signing off on what's the ROI, what's it provide the organization. They're getting really, really tight on where they spend their dollars. And if you can't, the ones that aren't clear, they just get a no. Yeah. Or uh, that dreaded no decision or the zombie deal that keeps sucking resources for months and months going months, nowhere. Yeah. It's going nowhere. You got to bail. Yeah. And so, and that's, a, that's another, because some of those you just got to park and you know, come back to it later on. It's maybe the right idea, but just the wrong timing or the wrong people. Yeah. So we're talking about this, but, Getting back to your, your book, uh, yeah. part of your champion uh, acronym is own the outcomes. And so, yeah. you know, there's, there, we're, we've been talking about helping the customer own their own outcomes, but as you're leading yourself and as you're leading your organization, it's all about your, it's all about outcomes and yeah. Yeah. Um, outcomes really are that magic secret sauce that I think we're, we're all looking at your thoughts. Yeah, I think, I think there's, a, there's a couple of them before, the, the I before that. So we talked about champions, where chunk it down, you know, have a go, assess, assess uh, your results, you know, good or bad learning. Um, you know, the M being around, you know, mindset maintenance, the P being around people. The I is investigate the best. Now, a lot of people don't do that. And that's a big one. I've always done that. And so what are the best doing? You know, best in your industry, best in, in, the, um, in your you know, particular um, area of expertise, what is world's best practice? Investigate that. So you've at least got a benchmark. Um, and then it becomes, that's the O, which is only outcome. So whether, and what I mean by that is we get very critical on, we fail, right? So did we fail? What have we learned through that? And 
you know, win-loss analysis is just done generally really poorly. It's ad hoc. It's not a strategy. Yeah. Right? It's, it's, we, it's so much, I know it's a cliche, Mark, but, but you know, we won because of my incredible relationship skills and I'm just such a great <laughs> networker and I'm, I'm so authoritative. It was clear that, you know, they're, they're only human. Of course, they had to buy from me, right? And it's just BS. We lost because of price. Yeah, we lost because you pricing guys couldn't get it. We lost because we didn't have this feature. That is also very rarely, you know, Bob Miller told me that. He said it very rarely, sometimes it is, but very, very rarely that's ever the case. And we don't do strategic. If you do strategic win-loss analysis, you'll find out why you won. Yeah. And sometimes you won for completely different reasons than you thought. Sometimes you lost because completely different thoughts. And in a, in a recent podcast I did with a guy called Dan Fister, who, who, who's the founder of Strategic Winback, you know, he, he said that, it's amazing how many times, how many times you can actually win back a client. And his data shows that over 47% of clients you win back spend double with you than what they were spending before. Okay? Wow. And so, so owning the outcome is really important. You say, okay, Mr. Client, you're moving on. We get it. Maybe our NPS score was low. Maybe we stuffed up. A lot of the time, though, they move because they think the grass is greener somewhere else. Maybe you've got a little bit fat, dumb, and happy. Maybe you got lazy. Maybe you changed an account manager and it just didn't work. For whatever reason, fix the problem. So you've got to find out the problem. Fix the problem. Stay close to the customer because they, if you stay close, you see what happens is 90% of them find out the grass actually isn't that greener where they went. And that might have been like, if you're in, especially if you're in B2B complex sales, you may have found three or four people made the change, but 50 didn't want to leave you. They actually wanted to stay with you. Right. And so at the, at the best chance they did come back, they want to come back. They want to go home. <laughs> give, give yeah. Back. You know, yeah. I, that kind of takes me back a long ways. I, I worked for uh, this company, WL Gore that made very differentiated products and the salespeople made a regular practice of saying, lose the deal because we'll win it back at a much higher preference, much higher price. And that sales force was the by far the best I ever ran across and I got to work with them for nine years that they right. understood the customer's business and they didn't sell them our stuff. They grew a customer's business by using our stuff and they knew exactly how our stuff was going to grow their business. And yeah. when you know that, you know how many dollars you're contributing to that customer's bottom line. And so if I'm solving a, a seven figure problem for a client and they're going to only have to spend six figures with me, my forecast went up, um, their motivation went up because both of us know those numbers. And Tremendous upside. Yeah, you yeah. know the numbers and it's so much easier to, to talk the pricing because you, again, to your point, your, your outcomes focus. So that's, the, that's what people don't do, you know, enough work on the outcomes focus. So we're in now, how's it going three months in? So again, the win-loss thing is good at that point, but it's also good to maintain how are we going? And that's why I'm a big one of, you know, QBRs and good account management is, is, you know, you shouldn't be, and that's why I see most account management I've been across is, is terrible. It's just a one-way street of people filling out forms to send them up to some leader who never comes back to you because yeah. they have to tick a KPI off. Um, you know, that, those days are changing. There's some fantastic tools now out there that, that actually keep on growing the account. It's, it's a lifetime relationship. We're sharing the data. We're in this together. We're, you know, I do a lot of stuff around, um, 
around, uh, you know, you know um, psychological um, profiling, stuff like that, like DISC and things like that. Well, you'd actually do that with the customer. Like you actually go, hey, here's all the profiles of our team. Let's do some profiles of your team. Let's match. We're truly a partnership. They're very hard to break. You know, that's, that, you're doing that to really get entanglement and really connect together. Uh, and grow an account. I think that's that's the bit about the outcome part, right? But the other point about the outcome part in the Mumbo book was sometimes we get, we find we lost, we lose, we focus just on that. People don't celebrate the wins enough. Mark, and people don't, you know, we've got to be through this area. We've got to learn to be more kind to each other. We're going to smile a lot more. And only the outcome means, only if it's stuff it up, but be happy when you win. Celebrate with your team. Be excited yeah. about you got one over the line. No matter how small the win is, be excited because we don't do And I'm from Australia. We're so negative down here. We just, we just don't do it. America's different. You guys, you guys are high-fiving all the time. In Australia, we're kind of really, you know, we'll, we'll go and fix the problem. We never celebrate our wins. No, actually, Rob, uh, early on in my 30s, I had a, you know, a little thing in my resume. I celebrated wins. It was a neat conversation starter that, that this is my mindset. And uh, it was unusual enough that it, it caught people off guard. Yeah. And it's a great thing, Mark. It's like celebrate the win because you've worked so hard for it. And the people who don't celebrate wins, what happens is, and this is even in sport, I found as well, they don't know how to win. And I've seen football teams who don't know. So when they win, they just go, yeah, it was okay. We got it. We should have won by more, right? It's always negative. And, it, and this mindset, right, gets into the whole organization, becomes part of the culture. They don't know actually how to win. They just know how to lose really well. And consequently, they end up having years and years of losses and never actually understanding what it's like to win. Because when you win, just like you lose, when you win, there's a feeling and you're by celebrating, you know, that's a win. I want, I want more of that. I want more to win more. And your mindset, your mind just gets programmed. Your subconscious goes, how do I get more of that win? Because I like that win bit. Yep. You know, it's like the comedian Billy Connolly once said, he said, you know what? He said, I've been, I've, been, I've been poor. I've been in the poorest place growing up in Scotland. I've been incredibly rich and I've worked on great programs in LA and Hollywood. He said, you know, I look back at both. I'll take rich every time. <laughs> That's right. It's just better than poor. <laughs> so. That's right. And so the N in champion is never give up. Never give up. Never give up. Never give up. Um, I, you know, I, for a long time, I was product manager and it, and my I was always involved in new products. I was not a mature product product manager. I was a new products product manager. Yeah. New products is an emotional roller coaster. One day there's an engineering breakthrough, or a customer just loves what they heard, and the next day it's awful. Right? We had you know the thing yeah. broke, and we don't know how to fix it. And I kind of told people, "Hey, everybody, this is a new product." Give yourself a mental lobotomy. You're never as good as your best day and you're never as bad as your worst day. And we're going to just keep flooring. As you said, if you fall on your face, well, at least we know we're going in the right direction. Um, really important because forward is forward. It doesn't mm. have to be fast on every day. It just has to be forward on every day. Yeah, improvement. You know, and I was speaking to an Olympic coach and he said, all we want is progress. We want improvement. It doesn't yeah. have to be like huge quantum leaps. He yeah. said, all we can ever ask for is we're improving and we're getting better. And I think that's really interesting. I like talking with people at that level because, you know, the Olympic level, the world championship level, 
so much is already everyone's physically fit everyone's mentally ready everyone's got the best boat the best equipment the best whatever they're using the best bicycle whatever it is all that's good all that's taken care of right there's only it gets right down to these small increments the small they call them the one percenters but actually they make about they can make a 10 percent difference but they're the small things and it's usually around mindset it's usually around better thinking and I, I give you this example. A friend of mine's uh, Alyssa Camplin. She was a two-time Olympian uh, in um, in skiing, aerial skiing. And she's got her favorite photograph. Is not her through the air doing these amazing things, which were mine. Her favorite photograph, which she's got in her house, is her standing ready to go to do the to do the downhill aerial um, jump, with her coach holding an umbrella over her head. And you might think, what is exciting about that? And if you look at it, it's not very exciting. But here's the exciting thing what Alyssa will tell you. It was snowing. You've got to do an aerial jump, right? So you need to be lightweight, free, doing all the stuff and agile and flexible. She, of the last 10 to go up for that, we're going from gold medal down to number 10, right? She was the only one in line with an umbrella. Everyone else had forgotten an umbrella and were, and were standing there in the snow and the rain with all their gear getting wetter and wetter and heavier and heavier, right? And when Lisa took off, you know, all skill there, but that, just that gear, right? Psychologically, she knew she was lighter, she was faster, she was more agile, she was going to be just like it was a summer's day. And all her, her competitors were going on, you know, logged and stuff, certainly adrenaline running, but they were just going to be heavier. And it's just a wonderful photograph because of after you know, seven years of training and all the stuff that goes into the Olympic campaign, it came down to like a $9.50 umbrella. Yeah, that's amazing. I, um, I was at a talk uh, given by the fellow, the coach's name is Bob Bowman. He's, uh, he was a swim coach at the University of Michigan, now at ASU. Uh, one, of, one of his more famous coachees uh, was a guy named Michael Phelps. And so pretty good swim coach. Yeah. And um, he talked about the talks he gives to a typical swimmer for the hundred meter dash, which is out a hundred meter freestyle, which is out and yeah. back. Um, and so his coaching isn't I, the tiger go out and get them. It's for this swimmer. He said, clean start. That's all I need. Clean start. Seven dolphin kicks come up um, three breaths pace of 20 of 61 clean turn 26 strokes and reach yeah break it down that's, right that cool break it that? down break it down to the you've worked so hard we know with your physical conditioning this is how many strokes i want three breaths if you do it this many strokes this fast with three breaths it will be the perfect time for you to turn and you don't even have to you know you're, you're not gonna you can just pay attention to what your body, your well-trained conditioned body is doing. You'll calm down and perform in the moment. Uh, what, a, what an inspirational lesson. It's, it, you know, the other thing is about that, Mark, it's a great story. It's reducing the amount of um, decision-making. It's, it's allowing that swimmer to focus on just those things. So at three breaths, I'm turning. I don't have to think about the turn. I don't think, am I close to the wall now? Am I going to hit my head? Am I all the stuff that we, we, yeah. we might think about? It's really well timed, and so I was just reading the other day about um, Steve Jobs, uh, and you know Steve Jobs. We say Steve Jobs when I say Steve Jobs clothing, right? You're going to go jeans, sneakers, dark top, yeah. Right? 
Now, the story behind that was even more fascinating. So Steve Jobs, there was an Izzy Mayaki, the fashion designer. It was his design top, right? That dark, that turtleneck, right? Steve Jobs had a hundred of them. He ordered a hundred of them, right? And the fashion label went, rang Steve Jobs and said, Are you sure you want a hundred? Just not 10? We we're going to make them. We just want to get it right. And Steve said, no, no, that's correct. It's a hundred. And they said, wow, a hundred. And he said, yeah, I make an enormous amount of decisions in my day every day. This is one I don't want to have to make a decision on. I just want to get dressed. Okay? You know what? So he's eliminating yeah. just stuff like that because so I'm focused on so many big things. This one, I'm just, this is going to be my standard uniform, right? And that, that's literally how he treated it. And so the point is he's reducing the stuff. What can I, what can I reduce in decision-making on a daily basis? Fascinating insight, isn't it? Isn't yeah. it? I, I was blown away by that. Yeah, completely fascinating. Well, Rob, I could, uh, we could keep going on and on, uh, but we are at time. Tell people how they can get a hold of you. Tell people how they can get a hold of your book. Yeah. So the best thing is, uh, best thing for me, it's, uh, it's robhartnett.com. So it's R-O-B-H-A-R-T-N-E-T-T.com. Uh, I'm also Rob Hartnett on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, the book is also at my shop, so you can buy, uh, it's all possible. And the, um, the journals, the latest ones come out, Mark. I just wanted to get a couple minutes on that. So the journal was people said to me uh, on interviews, what are, what are things we can do every day? So you've got the book, but what can we do on a daily basis? And I said, well, here's five questions that I ask myself on a daily basis, right? And I went through those five questions and people loved it so much. I've actually turned it into a book and it's just gone to print. So it's called My Daily Journal, um, Five Steps to Success. And the five questions I'll give your listeners are really simple. Five questions are this, uh, what made me happy today? Who did I make happy today? What did I learn today? What am I grateful for today? And what am I grateful for tomorrow? And they're just bullet points. So this is the journal, people, for people who don't journal but should. <laughs> this is what it yeah. is. So you can get that on my shop. It's on my website. Or you can go to Amazon or any of the major places you want to go. The book's there. Uh, both books are there. C-Suite, the C-Suite uh, Network also has my book. Uh, it's all possible as well. So you'll find it. It's all possible uh, by Rob Hartnett. No problem at all. Um, anyone wants to drop me a line, happy to hear you on socials. I'm not hard to find. Great. Well, Rob, thank you so much. I, uh, great conversation. A lot of fun. I hope we can do it again. Um, Absolutely. Thanks, everybody, for joining us on the Value Clarity Podcast. Value, remember, only exists in your customer's mind, which means your success with your customer really only counts between your customer's ears. Thanks, and have a high-value day. Well, it ain't easy, because value's in your buyer's brain. If you're selling on only your features, you're going to drive over you insane. And if you ignore your customers' outcomes, you're bound to be paying your dues, because you'll be singing those old don't know value blues. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.